Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is Sode number 101. The um, the linebacker Terry Tate of Sodes. We're running really low, aren't we? I mean, we past are. 101, who, who do we go to? I know. Last week was the T-Rack of Sodes. This week is uh, uh, the Terry Tate. The OG Titans fans remember Terry Tate videos. They used to play on the Jumbotron in games. In fact, Terry Tate was the uh, 12th Titan at one of the most recent uh, Titans home games uh, late in the season this year. So, the more you know. Yeah, there you go. Terry Tate, uh, not a real linebacker, but he played one on uh, the Reebok commercials that uh, ended up becoming. They weren't viral sensations because no one was on the internet back then, but uh, they were big. They were very, very popular and to the point where they played them in stadiums. So this is the uh, the line, office linebacker Terry Tate of Sodes, and it's a good one, guys. Look, we go big for the Super Bowl. We go super for the – am I even allowed to say Super Bowl? I don't know. If look, if you're going to sue us, sue uh, Austin and Zach uh, that with A to Z Sports. Yeah, we're not liable. We don't come to Jack and I. Look, we're just employees. Okay, you have to sue the company, um, with, which will probably come out of our paycheck. I would imagine. <laughs> uh, we, so we. This is a week now. Last week we teased that we were going to have a guest, a fun guest. We teased a really fun, awesome guest that uh, we're going to go over prop bets with you. Make some money. Right. And we don't do that often. We don't normally tease who we're getting ahead of time. Okay. But last week we did because we were excited about it. Yeah. And well, just the day of, it just so happened to fall through. That's the last time we ever tease a guest ahead of time. Okay. Look, <laughs> to no fault of our guest at all. We're not faulting our guests at all because we love our guests. We're going to get them on at a later yeah, date. No doubt. Uh, but I just wanted to let that be clear. So what we teased at the end of episode 100 is not what you're getting at the, in episode 101, but. We are still going big for the guest this week, a guest that we absolutely love, a former uncle of this podcast, or or not not former uncle, you're always an uncle of this podcast if you're ever an uncle of this podcast, Mr. Brad Hopkins join us. Now, why is that significant? Well, one, he's a Tennessee Titan that actually played in a Super Bowl here on Super Bowl week. Oh, and his son, Bryson, just so happens to be playing in this year's Super Bowl for the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to talk all Super Bowl with him. We're going to talk. Uh, 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 we're going to talk Ryan Tannehill. We're going to talk uh, Derrick Henry, the Pro Bowl. We got a lot to talk about with him, and he's. Uh, I can't wait. He's going to be awesome. Also, uh, 
he's an Illinois guy, so we can talk to him about Levy Smith joining the Texans. Yeah, and and, co- and coin toss, coin toss discussions. Oh. We all, we have to have those every every week of the Super Bowl. Of course. So we get into we get into the coin toss prediction this year. We're zero for one. We lost last year. We are zero for one, but don't worry, we're bouncing back strong. All right, you know why? Because tails never fails. Uh, also, <laughs> John Robinson sat down with Ben Arthur of the Tennessee and. Had some pretty good quotes. Sat down with him for a good 30, 30 minutes. Uh, ben Arthur uh, transcribed that into an article on the Tennessean. Really good. Um, some good stuff there that Jack and I will share with you here. Um, really just kind of poaching content off the Tennessean. <laughs> it's a shame. You know, they say newspapers dying probably because everyone's stealing their content. Sharing their is podcast. caring, though. Sharing is caring. And we do care about Ben Arthur, another uncle of this podcast, um, who we need to get back on soon after that that sit down with him. I want to yes. get more. I want to squeeze more out of that 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 lemon, if you understand what I'm saying. I don't even know what I'm saying. Milk milk uh, more of that cow. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Not calling Ben Arthur a cow. No, he's not a cow, and his work expression. is not milk, but you right. get it. Yeah, you get it. Uh, Tim Kelly was hired. We're going to talk about that hire and what we think. That, I think that's a that's an important step for the Titans. I think that is that is bigger than we're probably giving it credit. Uh, plus, Lovey Smith and Doug Peterson have joined the division We'll weigh in on that. And of course, we'll end things with the Remember the Titans. But before we get into any of this great content that we have for you on this week's Super Sode of the Tighten Up Podcast, let's first get a word from the Trenches Gallery. The Trenches Gallery, located at 906 Buchanan Street in Nashville. It's owned and operated by Christian and his brother, Keith Fulton. You know those names. It's an art gallery with the latest fashion trends. They got shirts, shoes, pants, hats, paintings, socks. I saw a basketball in there. They do tons of giveaways, by the way. They just gave away a pair of shoes. Go follow them on Instagram at the Trenches Gallery where you can keep up with their giveaways while also being able to view their impressive inventory. That, that really is. I mean, they're redoing the inside of that shop because they keep getting new items. They keep getting new inventory. And it's all so cool, so awesome. Uh, they got all the hottest brands in fashion. Paper Plains, Cashville, which is a, a brand that they, they've made in-house. They have Fulton County jerseys with Christian Fulton's number on them. Um, Bape, Supreme, Love Sushi, all kinds of, of, of the hottest clothes that you see nowadays. Uh, they, they create all cool, all, all sorts of new and cool clothing designs. They're one-of-a-kind design lab located in the back of the shop. I know a bunch of you guys saw the Tennessee Bad Boys sweatshirts that they came out with. There's still some left in stock. I was in there the other day. They've still got some of those if you want to order yours online or go into the trenches and get one yourself. It's really the only place like it in Nashville. And if you're unable to stop by in person, maybe you don't live in Nashville, maybe you just aren't feeling up to driving around, you can still shop online and get those, get some of their impressive inventory shipped to you as long as you purchase them at thetrenchesshop.com. I mentioned the Instagram handle, at the trenches gallery, where you can view all of their new items and some of their great giveaways. I'm telling you guys, it's at least one giveaway a month. These guys are on it. Um, go check them out at the Trenches Gallery on Instagram or online at thetrenchesshop.com. And when you go in store, make sure to tell those guys that A to Z Sports sent you. And now let me tell you about Elite Water. You know what else you can find at the Trenches Gallery? I just told you, Elite Water. Elite Water is based in New Orleans, Louisiana. This is water sourced from natural springs in Mount Palomar all the way out in California, right? This is organic water that does not contain all of the man-made additives that you'll find in some of these other water brands. Gross. The Elite brand is all about bettering yourself and putting yourself 
and your body in a position to where you can accomplish anything. In fact, since they're based out of New Orleans, up until just the other day, they were in the running to take over for Sean Payton with the Saints, but uh, Dennis Allen just kind of beat them out for the job. I guess the Saints don't want to be elite. Order yours now online at EliteWater.co or swing by the trenches to pick up a fresh case. You can also find them on Instagram. So when you're going onto Instagram and following at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram, go ahead and follow these guys as well at Elite Water One. Okay, that's at Elite Water One. Go follow them right now. Support them because they support us. All right. If you like this podcast, the best way to uh, to you know to to help out this podcast to help us grow and, and to be sustainable for a long time not just by sharing it and, and telling your friends to subscribe, that it is a great way, but you do it by supporting those who support us. And Elite Water is one of those brands. So be yourself, be elite, drink elite water. With that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around the bay. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome into the Titan Up Podcast. Today is February 9th, 2022, and I never know how to pronounce February. Like, do, the, the R throws me off. Do, do you say February? Well, this is Feb- the only word you mispronounce. We've gone February. over the, the bingles. Oh, don't but, um, even get me start. Bang! It's bangles, okay? It's not bingles. <laughs> well, it's most definitely February. Right, February. I, I feel like I don't say the R after the B. February. I, I don't think you're supposed to say the R, but I always accidentally do. Is it yeah. February? February. February. The R is a silent R. It's one of the rare it, silent R's. It is one of the rare silent R's. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that'd be like calling like uh, like our quarterback Yan Tannehill. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yan Tannehill. That yeah, that would be a, that's a nice quarterback. Ooh, name, hey, maybe look. You know, he needs a good, like, you know, like a, maybe like a PR change. Like maybe, maybe mm. he goes by, Jobs maybe are. changes his name and, and just goes the whole route of like, oh, oh, you know, the guy before, oh, that was Chad Johnson. I'm now Chad Ojocinco. You know, like mm, he goes with the yes. name change. It's a new era. Now he's just yawn Tannehill. I Should think we, that plays. I, dude, I would look Ryan Tannehill. Sure. I agree with everyone. Yeah. Maybe he's not the answer at Titans quarterback, but Yon Tannehill. I think that sounds pretty good. I mean, good. I don't hate it, dude. I don't hate it. Those jerseys would fly off the racks. Oh my gosh. But since it is Feb, you uh, not to be mistaken with Feb, Ruary, it, uh, it is Super Bowl week. And this is look, this is a week that we thought the Titans were going to be in it. We, we went over that all last week. Okay. We're the sadness is kind of, we're starting to put it on the back burner. We're back to being happy again. You know why? Because we're getting a head start on the, on the, uh, on the off season. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing quite like getting a head start. <laughs> uh, John Robinson spoke to Ben Arthur of the Tennessean. All right. Uncle Ben and- Arthur. Uncle Ben Arthur, that's right. He is an uncle of this podcast. Uh, he was great. He's a he's uh, fairly new to the Nashville area, but I thought he did very well, extremely well, actually, uh, covering the Titans for the Tennessee. Yeah, he and the crushed show. it. If you haven't, if you're not following him on Twitter, you and you're a Titans fan, go ahead and follow him because he's he's one of those people. Jack and I talk about it all the time. You want to make your timeline very Titan centric and full of great Titans content. Ben Arthur's one of those follows that you need to do. But so he sat down with John Robinson and talked about, you know, all of the hot button issues. He talked about 
free agency. He talked about uh, he uh, the, the draft and why John Robinson uh, continues to draft players with injury history. I mean, yes. he has some really good questions to John Robinson and the answers. Um, the answers were solid as well. John Robinson, you know, he's not a guy who's pretty tightly, you know, he, he'll talk to you, especially about You know, this team, he's not going to, give you, you know, a, a couple cities. He's not going to go Belichick route. Right, he, right. He, he'll he'll elaborate on some things. And he did in this interview. It's a really well done if you haven't checked it out yet. And not quite – yeah, go go check it out on the Tennessean.com. Uh, uh, it's it's definitely well worth the full read. Uh, we wanted to kind of hit on some highlights of this. Uh, but you're right. Ta- uh, Robinson, he's not going to give you the static, um, mundane – very vanilla answers on to Cincinnati. He, yeah. None of that. Right. He'll, he'll, he'll like, he'll, he'll get into some things. And so where do you want to start with this, Jack? Like what were some of the things I guess that stood out to you the most? Cause obviously like for me, the biggest thing was the Tannehill conversation. Yeah, I agree. And, and there were three questions that Ben Arthur ran by John Robinson and Robinson gave some pretty honest answers Yeah, when discussing his, the well, quarterback. And I like that about Ben. I like that he asked the follow-ups and he asked the tough, follow- like, you know, Robinson gave him his answer. And then he said, well, you know, and he he definitely did pose the concerns that we have for Tannehill. Now, you know, look, Jack and I, you've heard our debate. I, I, I'm in firm belief, like, look, Tannehill's the guy. Like he's, and I, I, I believe that they can win with him despite, you know, the per- production that he's put out in the past. Um, mainly because I just think that the Titans are in a place now. The Titans are better with Tannehill than they are without him. And I really don't want to go through the quarterback carousel taking chances with guys when I know that the Titans can go 30 and 13 with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. Like I, I, I much further believe in that. And we get into it with Brad Hopkins a little bit, but, and he makes a great point. Like the Titans aren't necessarily built to where they need Tannehill to be great, to win. What they need is they need, you know, the entire offense revolves around Derrick Henry being great. And for the most 90% of the time, that has worked out in the Titans' favor. When it doesn't, that's when basically shit hits the fan. And shit hit the fan on against the Bengals, that's for sure. So let's let's get into this. Yeah. I mean, we'll just start with the first question that Ben asked John Robinson in regard to Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. The way Ben phrased the question, he said, you've stressed that Ryan Tannehill's your quarterback. How do you balance that with knowing the interceptions and turnovers he had were a major issue in 21 and needs to be fixed? And Robinson, right out, right off the bat, said it was a problem. Yeah, very first sentence. It was a problem. I Okay, yeah, I love that. I, I like that. Okay, good. You are aware of it. It's not just us fans, like, overreacting. Yeah, and, and then he goes on to say, you know, I don't have to read this whole thing verbatim. It's a lot of words, but... Um, <laughs> Jack, look, guys, Jack's reading comprehension. Not I'm, I'm, a strong, I'm a strong reader. I'm not. Well, I may, may not be the strongest. Like I don't. I, reading is not a hobby of mine. I you're mean, you're I, strong I in terms of like Ole Miss grads. Yeah. I feel like it, by writing, my reading improves. You know, it's iron sharpens iron. <laughs> but anyways, Robinson goes on to say that you know about the loss and about Tannehill's three picks, and nobody probably feels worse than Ryan. Not to speak for Ryan about the amount of interceptions that went down this year, and probably not all of them are on him. You know, sometimes. A DB makes a great play. Sometimes a receiver may be off his spot. He may get pressured and the ball gets tipped. There's a lot that goes into those plays, but ultimately ultimately, the quarterback is the one who bears the blame for it. Right. He's acknowledging there that, you know, Ryan Tannehill probably feels the worst about this. And, you know, you know, a lot of you are saying, well, he should feel the worst. And you may not be wrong, but it's 
he, Robinson isn't backing off of that. He's saying, yeah, Tannehill, you know, he, he's the one who is to blame, you know, being the quarterback, you you're praised for the successes, but you're also going to take a lot of heat when things don't go as well. And that's kind of where we're at with the Ryan Tannehill discussion as we enter the off season. Yeah. And you know, what's, you know, what's funny is, and again, not to kind of spoil the Brad Hopkins interview we, we have coming up, but uh, you know, but we get into all of this with him. I, he gives a very similar answer to what John Robinson gives. And, and to me that, that speaks to the way they handle it within the walls of a football, a a professional football franchise, rather than how we, the fans deal with it. You know, it's exactly that when Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions, they're all on Ryan Tannehill. Whereas the guys in that locker room, the guys within the franchise know that, you know, actually maybe, it may not have been Tannehill on this one, or, you know, maybe someone uh, ran a wrong route. Maybe someone missed a block forcing Tannehill to do whatever. It could be the play call. It could be an aspect of it. And to me, like that gives me a little peace of mind, not a ton, but mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit uh, knowing that within the walls of the, the franchise, like uh, of the facility, like they are basically saying like, Look, yeah, it it wasn't great that you turned the ball over, but there's more that goes into it than just the quarterback sucking, you know? And for Titans fans, what I believe is reassuring is that the front office isn't saying, well, he played great. You know, he put this team in a position to win. Things just didn't go well. They, they acknowledged it. Like, yeah. look, that is not – that was not acceptable. That, you know, this, this whole season there were too many turnovers. Right. Robinson said that, but – they're not backing down. They're not running from these questions. They're staying straight up. Yeah, he's going to, you know, he's taking a lot of the blame for this because, you know, he plays the quarterback position. When you play the quarterback position, you take this kind of heat when things aren't going well. Vrabel now, was mic'd up at the Pro Bowl. And I, I uh, in one of the one of the things that he said, he he was talking to a player at the Pro Bowl and was like, you yeah, look, when, when you don't turn the ball over, you win games. When you do, you don't win games. And <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if he was talking specifically about the Titans this season, but he knows it. He knows it just as about as anyone, just as well as we, the fans know that like in the Titans losses this year, they lost that turnover battle pretty handedly. Yeah. Big time. And when, so I think that will be a point of emphasis. This off season is like, look, how can we devise an offensive scheme to where it doesn't, put Tannehill on bad situations how can we hold on to the football more with you know fewer fumbles better protection everything so that to me again like you said Jack they're not sweeping this under the rug they're basically looking this problem square in the face and saying yeah we had a problem Mm -hmm. Uh, that's very important to me and you know the next thing that been asked and there's a lot of discussion you've heard the Jared Stillman report that Aaron Rodgers has built has bought land and Franklin and is building a house. Uh, Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews are doing the same. And what could that I, mean? I won't believe any of that until Jared Stillman's dad says it. Yeah, we need to we need to confirm with Jared Stillman's father. But either way, uh, and you know Russell Wilson's getting you know he's probably going to be on the move this offseason. There's a bunch of other quarterbacks that a lot of people are placing, just like Titans fans tend to do. Right? There's a guy that's on the market. 
boom, what does he look like in Titans jersey? Does he fit yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Look, Kyler Murray deleted like the the Arizona Cardinals. He unfollowed them on Instagram, I and I started about thinking. It. I thought about it. I was I like, I was like, Kyler in two tone blue. Like, I don't, you know. Yeah, and and you'd be lying to yourself also if you were also, you know, after the Tim Kelly hire, you're like Deshaun Watson. Maybe I mean he could maybe convince Vrabel, but they're not going to trade him in the division, and that that's where I'm that's where I'm headed next. Ben Arthur asked John Robinson. Have you felt the need to reassure Ryan that he's your guy amid all the criticism he's faced? And Robinson was strong here. This is what he said, quote, Ryan's a pro. He knows how much that he means to us. Traded for that guy. Gave him an opportunity to start. New contract. I think it's pretty apparent where he stands with us. He's our quarterback. I don't know how many more times I got to say it. And look, I to me, this is GM speak 101 right here. He's not saying... But don't, don't you think that this, you know, these comments coming from John Robinson, and I think Titans fans are pretty familiar with John Robinson and how he does business. I mean, he's he's pretty dug in here. And he, yeah. you know, Ryan Tannehill's contract plays a part in that as well. Yeah. But I, I, I think from that answer, and, you know, you've seen that quote. I saw it on Max Kellerman's show. I, don't get me wrong. I don't intentionally watch Max, Max Kellerman's show on ESPN. <laughs> but – they, you know, I had it on his background music while I was working on something. And Wait, which, which show? The Keyshawn J. Will and the, like oh the, God, the morning radio show? I, I don't even, I don't even know how that show even spawned. E, like, ESPN Radio it, has no, some it, of the worst programming. After Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman put together a show. I believe it's called uh, This Just In or First Thing. I don't know. One of the two. It's fir- firstly interrupted, I think. Okay, we'll call it that. <laughs> but, you know, e- even he you know, talked about this quote to lead the show the other day. And that's because, you know, there's going to be rumors after a quarterback, you know, shits the bucket for, you know, lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, like Ryan Tannehill did against. No, they, they, not only did he shit the bucket, he shit it. He kicked it over. He it got everywhere. Slipped in uh, it. Yeah. Right. I don't know how we're going to clean these carpets now. <laughs> but, you know, for him to say that, you know, we traded for this guy. We, you know, we gave him a shot to start, you know, he's, He's done a lot for this team. I it's I think Titans fans who still are holding out hope for a move at quarterback this offseason. And you know that 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 doesn't go to say they won't draft a guy. Maybe they maybe they'll draft a guy earlier than we think. But I it doesn't seem like that they're going to move off Tannehill just after that se- after this past season. But he did phrase it in a way where if they did move on, I don't think they're going to. I think there's a 99.7% chance that they're not going to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I think that's but fair. If they did, that 0.03%, he he phrased it in a way to where nothing he said was damning. Mm-hmm. Very if factual. The whole you know, like it, it was like, look, he's our guy. You know, he, you know, we we he's literally just stating facts. He knows how much he means to us. Probably true. And he traded kind of went, for that guy. Yeah, he true. went down the Tannehill timeline, right? Yeah, gave him an opportunity to start. True. New contract. True. I think it's pretty apparent where he stands with us. Like he's saying, like he's not saying, like, like he, we'll evaluate him as the, over the course of the offseason or anything like that. He didn't. He didn't say he's. I mean, he did say he's our quarterback, but like he is technically right now where they stand. The Titans quarterback. He's the sitting quarterback for the Titans. So if for whatever reason, during free agency or what, uh, I don't, I look, and I'm not saying anything's happening. Nothing is going to happen. So don't get your hopes up. But the way he phrased that, if anything changed, and that's the way a good GM talks. 
a good GM does not speak in formalities or, um, or not formalities. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? D definitives does not speak in definitives. It just kind of states like true things and then makes that the answer. This is GMing 101 right here. Uh, it, take notes, kids who want to be GMs one day because John Robinson is laying it out there. That is how you answer a question like that because it doesn't, it doesn't tie you. It doesn't keep you married. You know, it, it's like if, if like the, the priest was like, do you take this man to be your wife? Or wait, do you take this man to be your husband? <laughs> And the wife and the wife says, hang on, dude. Hold on. Let me get this analogy out. Here we go. It's like if the priest says, Do you take this woman to be your wife? And you're like, she would be my wife if I answer this. You know, like you just like kind of work your way around the question without ever fully answering the question. I think that's well done. I like John I Robert like that part. analogy. I do like that analogy. And you know, um, it, there's a lot to factor in and i just think that the way robinson kind of handled this sit down was he was he was honest i mean he wasn't brutally honest he was just honest enough yeah to kind of skate by here right right and i i do i do want to point out this last thing before we move on to tim kelly um one one of the quotes that really stuck out to me was the last question ben asked him just said last thoughts any last thoughts and I thought he said something that I feel like Titans fans need to be constantly reminded of. He said, uh, when I was first hired in 2016, the Titans had won five games in two years combined. They weren't very good. And I told the fans what we we're going to win. And that's what we've done. We haven't won the big one, but just know that's our goal. One week at a time, put ourselves in a position to get closer to that. I thought we did that this year. And I feel like Titans fans as a whole, uh, as a collective, and I fall into this a lot of times. We're like people who eat at a fancy restaurant one time and then just immediately become foodies. <laughs> you know, like it's you, you, you have one really nice fancy dinner where and it's now like, your entire palate is Michelin. There's, yeah. There's not Michelin enough meat star. on the plate. It's very fancy with like the drizzle on top. There's probably like a garnish or two on the side of the plate. You eat that and you're like, mm, yes. So like, and it's like, dude, you, you were just eating subway yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Don't act like you're a foodie. That's the way us Titans fans act. And look, I get it. I think all Titans fans have the same goal in mind. We want to win a super bowl. That's the goal that the Titans have. They want to win a Super Bowl. Sometimes that takes time. Very rare do you get the freaking the Bengals situation that you're getting where they go from worst to Super Bowl in one year. That is, that is the exception to the rule. The rule usually is it takes time to build that foundation. And the Titans were coming off of a decade where they were lousy. Nobody, in fact, I, I tweeted out a... Uh, like a, a post I made years ago to, to friends of mine where I talked about like, <laughs> where I was like the, another, and I watching all of these commercials about the NFL, it seems like the Titans or the NFL forgets that the Titans are a franchise within the league. And then I said, but it's okay because I sometimes forget that too. Oh. That's where this franchise was like just five, six years ago. And we want to like 
but and like all of a sudden we think like we're demanding this like i don't know well, like excellence i, I want to push back on you just a little bit go ahead please do because you mentioned you know it, it takes time to build a winner it takes time to build a super yes. bowl winner the to Tigers, have that to have that foundation of sustainable success yes and, and we're coming off the fifth straight season for the tennessee titans you know that they've they've ended with a winning record they've compiled but, five straight seasons with a winning record and they've improved every single year every single year they've improved but we're about to run out of time time okay. is ticking the window yes. is closing i don't disagree so, with that so at all. that's that's where this this, this off season people are people are going to be pissed this was the season you know you set yourself up that buy is so hard to achieve titans put themselves in position they got healthy at the right time the healthiest this team was was in that divisional game. You know, I get it. Derrick Henry's still coming off. He's not, you know, he's not who he's not the king, but they had everybody that they needed. And that, that's why it's, and I don't want to spend too much time on that because we've talked about that. Right, right, right. right. But you mentioned that, you, you know, that it does take time and it does. This is not a one-year deal unless you get Tom Brady to come over mm-hmm. in free agency. This isn't a one-year deal, but time is ticking. Time is yeah. of the essence. I well, I'll say I'll I'll say this last last point on this. It's like you remember at the end of the 2020 season, we were like, man, I wish we could run back that same season with a defense even half as yeah. good as or you're you know half as better as as they were because it was a lousy defense. This year, I I'm saying the same thing. Where it's like, man, I wish we could run back that that offense because we finally got that defense that we wanted, even better than we wanted, and I I wish we could run back this season with everyone healthy. Because mm-hmm. if you run back this season with everyone healthy, dude, they were uh, they were the number one seed in the AFC without everyone being healthy. So the franchise, especially John Robinson, is doing his part. He can't control injuries. He can't control any of that. But for him to put out a number one seed in the AFC for the playoffs with all of the injuries that they had, the most injured team in the NFL history, I'd say the franchise is doing their job. Yeah. And, 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 and I thought, I thought that was fair of Robinson to kind of lay that reminder at the end of the interview. Last thing I'll say, then we'll go Tim Kelly. Okay. The Super Bowl is the hardest trophy to win in sports. It is because you have 22 guys that you're relying on and then a special teams unit. Okay. In baseball, you can go out and you can buy it. You can buy, you know, let's talk about your your Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Bauer. Everyone (laughs) buys championships, Jack. All right. Not the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves didn't buy one. Don't get mad at the. No, they went out and freaking. They they rebuilt their entire outfield when everyone got injured. They don't say they didn't buy it. With kind of misfit outfielders. But in hockey, the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to buy one. Um, by by manipulating the sal- salary cap with Kuznetsov, you know, not yeah. on the not on the roster until the playoffs. I mean, there's just many. Exa- you can't buy one in the NFL. You've got to build it, and that's why timing is so important. Right. You right. had if you had the 2020 offense with the 2021 defense, that's a Super Bowl caliber team. But you know, you you just missed it by a year. You, now now in this final year, what most people are saying, this is probably the last year of your of your window unless you do something big in the draft or free agency. Yeah. They've got to be firing on all cylinders at the same time. You've got to you've got to seize the moment. You've got to capture that moment when when you have the right pieces in place, which the Titans do. Right. So this year, this next season, they got to be able to put it all together. I, I'm not saying be complacent with this season. I'm not saying be complacent with how the Titans. You know that the Titans have yet to achieve that ultimate goal of, at very least, even making the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not saying be complacent with that. All I'm saying is, when they don't achieve that. 
you don't need to clean house. You don't need to fire everyone. You don't need to get rid of everyone. The, the franchise is in good hands, but yes, you're right, Jack. There is a very fine window. They need to do it and they need to act fast, which is what I think they did by hiring Tim Kelly. They've got him over. We talked about it on this podcast. We mentioned the name, Tim Kelly. I A lot of people mentioned the name. Like we're not going to, you know, we're not going to claim trademark on that, but he's a, he's a good offensive mind. A guy who had like not success, but made the best of what he could do with a Texans offense. And, was, and and he did have success when he had Deshaun Watson available. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And and he did well with Davis Mills um as uh as a rookie quarterback. Like Davis Mills, and a lot of people will say uh Mac Jones was the best rookie quarterback. Yeah, statistically, Davis Mills gave him a run for his money with uh you know, with how well he uh, Davis Mills played, especially at home this season. Yeah, he developed well. He came a long way from week one uh, or, you know, with, you know, the first game he started to, you know, the Titans got the last look at him right. in week 18. And he damn near came back and beat the Titans. Yeah. So it, his, the, he was developed well. And I think that's a big point because maybe they go and get a quarterback in this draft. And Tim Kelly's a guy that can help kind of bring him along. Not to take over for Tannehill, but maybe just to have as a backup option, or you know, if they hit it big in the draft, to eventually replace Tannehill. Now, right. that's probably not what the strategy is heading into this draft. Right. But to have a guy who's able to do that and who has proof of doing it, I think is important and something you know, it's an it's an added bonus. Can I give an? Can I share an extremely original thought? A thought that no one else has given. A thought that you'll only be able to receive here on the Titan Up podcast. Shoot, Tim Kelly. To this Titans offense is what Jim Schwartz was to this Titans defense <laughs> last year. How about that? Wow, no one, I haven't heard that one yet. No one will give you that type of analysis other than the Titan Up podcast. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Four and a half stars to the Titan Up podcast, 0.5 stars to Buck. And they brought him on. You know, Jim Schwartz was used as this consultant role on the defensive side of the ball. They bring, bring Tim Kelly on, and his title is officially Senior Offensive Assistant slash Passing Game Coordinator for the Titans. Now, that's not the role he held in, in Houston. You know, originally, he's a, he's a Bill O'Brien guy, right? He worked on Bill O'Brien's staff at Penn State as a GA in 2012 and 2013. And then in 2014, the Texans gave him a shot. He was, you know, three years there. He was the offensive quality control uh, coach. So he kind of, you know, oversaw the whole operation. You know, I don't really know how coaching – I've never been a coach. Then <laughs> – <laughs> Again, more great analysis. Me than trying you to explain here on the Tighten Up podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Four and a half stars to me us. Trying point to five stars to Buck. Me trying to explain the ins and outs of being an offensive quality control coach, which I have no idea what they do in the building. But then, anyway, you know, they control the quality of the offense. Yeah, the offense has to be up to you know par when it comes to quality. But in, right. in 2017 and 2018, he was promoted to the tight ends coach. You know the Titans love love a nice tight ends coach. Oh, you baby, got tight ends coach in your resume, and they're gonna look at they're gonna look at that thing long and hard. Oh my gosh! They, look, when the Titans hear the term tight end coach, they have to awkwardly adjust their pants. All right, because they're <laughs> like, oh geez, oh, you know, like oh, it's a it's a boner. It, it is a boner. They a boner. It, it, it's a boner. And, and then you know, 2019. He was eventually promoted to OC in Houston. Um, and, and in 2020, this is the year I want to talk about. 2020, not only was he the OC, but he was also a quarterback's coach with Deshaun Watson. Now, this is the last look of uh, really what was a even you know viable offense in Houston. Not only viable, but in 2020, the, Tex the Texans' offense was, I mean, it was pretty solid. The second best passing 
offense in the NFL behind the Chiefs. Now, this was, you know, they were ahead of Tom Brady's Buccaneers when they won the Super Bowl. Um, they were ahead of a lot of strong offenses with a lot of great quarterbacks. Uh, but they were second in the NFL in passing offense. And if you if you remember, the Texans really should have been able to meet the Titans in the AFC championship game that year. Uh, you know, you know, they, they blew a huge lead or maybe that wasn't, that was, that was the year, but the Titans lost and the Texans moved on. Anyways, before I get confused, Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill, while they're not the same quarterback, I do think they have a lot of the same similarities. Ryan Tannehill can run and, you know, he's not as great of a runner as Deshaun Watson is. And he's probably not a great of, as great of a passer as Deshaun Watson is, but he has some of the same characteristics. So you're not going to bring in a guy who has to kind of, change his system around the quarterback, right? Right. Ryan Tannehill fits directly in his system. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that's an important piece. And, you know, Todd Downing, when he called plays, he was calling them for Derek Carr in Oakland. Derek Carr and Tannehill aren't exactly the same player. While Carr can move a little bit and, you know, he's a solid passer, I think Deshaun Watson has more similarities to Ryan Tannehill than Derek Carr does. Now, people can debate that, whatever you want to do. But – I think just having experience working for a dual threat quarterback and Tannehill's not a Kyler Murray. We know this. I got to keep reiterating, you know, he's not a true dual threat, but he, you know, a strength that he didn't use as much this season as I was. A lot of Titans fans would have probably liked is his legs. Right. Cause they know what he can do with, you know, on the ground. Yeah. But, you know, I, Tim Kelly, this hire makes a lot of sense. Not just because, you know, Todd Downing was off his game in the playoffs and really struggled in situational, you know, areas all season long, high leverage, especially. But Tim Kelly can come along and be another brain in the room with experience with a similar quarterback. And I think really kick this offense back to where it was in 2020. I, the, do you think, you know how, like we know, like we know firsthand, there are people within the Titans franchise that listen to this podcast. Um, Do you think the fact that they probably heard the episode where you and I gave, like we were so sad when they got rid of Dennis Kelly. That yeah. like they they like that the our cries like echoed through the halls of St. Thomas Sports Park and they and they said you know what we need to make good we need to make good to our boys to our tighten up podcast guys like we need to find a way to you know like a consolation it's, prize it's like taking and, a pacifier away from a baby you got to yeah. give them like a rattle or something right, a new right. a new toy to come in and replace Tim it. Tim Kelly is our rattle. They just they handed it to us and look and we are shaking that thing like crazy. So giddy to uh, two two quick things I learned about Tim Kelly. Um, one, he is as old as me. <laughs> That's always a great feeling because uh, whenever you talk about football coaches and honestly, still in my life, football players, I always just view them as older than me. And when I learn that they're not uh, or they are my age. That, that it's always very humbling. Yeah, it's uh, got to make you feel old. For me, it kind of makes me think, like, what if Austin was, was a, head, a play was caller? A coach? Oh, man. Do you think I, I'd be good? I, Look, if I can turn Kevin Dodd into a winner on my mountain. You'd be good at interviews. Uh, I would be good at interviews. I'd be fun. I'd be a, I'd be a good quote. The, the media would quote, love but, me. Yeah, the fans, I don't know that they'd love it. No, the fans would absolutely hate me because I'd, I'd just ramble on and I'd put my foot in my mouth multiple times. Yeah, after but, running Derrick Henry 50 times the first game you have uh, as <laughs> look, OC. Look, if I can turn Kevin Dodd into into a defensive player of the year <laughs> on my Madden 17 
and franchise, then yeah, I think I'd be a pretty good coach. Also, Tim Kelly from Chicago Heights, Illinois. So also from Chicago, like me. Uh, oh, you're such a Chicago one. I'm not from Chicago, but I live here now. And uh, the, um, oh, I was going to say one last thing, but I don't even think I can remember what it was. Uh, oh, do you think it's funny how um, the Titans are basically just ripping all of the Houston Texans, former staff, and uh making them bet like they're being better coaches <laughs> that is kind of bill o'brien has to take some offense to that because it's like oh well you know the defense was terrible when rabel and bowen were over there but now when they're together the titans it's so much better right and that could that could happen again with if um i'm already forgetting his name tim kelly comes in and you know turns Tannehill into a pro bowl quarterback that takes the team to a super bowl so yeah i think bill o'brien has to be you know he's got to yeah. take some of that personally well, and apparently they're also bringing over a guy by the name of Bobby King. I don't know. Uh, King is a uh, uh, is service. There, is any relation to Desmond King? In, inside linebackers coach, I think. Um, I'm just reading this on the fly real quick. Um, yeah, the, yeah. That, that was the one. That was the one big position uh, position coach they chose to get rid of this offseason. Right. Right. So uh, they, they they needed to find another guy, and I guess it's just the Texans are really just a, a farm for coaches for the Titans. I just love that. Yeah, they're like the Texans. Uh, the Titans are like, yeah, you guys. Uh, oh, you guys got canned in Houston. All right, come here, and we'll we'll have some success here. And so far, it's paid off. So let's keep that pipeline from Houston working well. Clearly, that's where we got our damn football team from. So you should <laughs> hope that the, <laughs> we should keep stealing from Houston because it's turned out well for us. Deontay so Foreman, another example that worked uh, well exactly. here that didn't work there. Uh, Randy Bullock, look, I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. I'm just saying, uh, all right, uh, we're gonna let's get to Brad Hopkins, talk some Super Bowl and a lot of things with him. Uh, gonna cover everything, Dan Hill, yada yada, like literally, um, Lovey Smith, everything with him. Uh, but before we do, let's first get a word from our friends at DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? That's all right. Bet on Super Bowl 56 props instead. DraftKings Sportsbook offers a wide range of props throughout the big game. Take your shot at winning cash by predicting props like if a non-quarterback will throw a pass, fourth down conversions, total yardage, maybe a Bryson Hopkins touchdown catch, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code A to Z Sports, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code A to Z Sports at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Redline 1 800 889 9789. He's number 72 in your playbooks, but number one in your heart. At least he is for me, because uh, this man, even though he's out of the University of Illinois in Champaign, where he was an All-American and All-Big Ten, he was drafted 13th overall in the 93 NFL draft where he played 13 seasons, all with the Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans franchise. He's a two-time pro bowler and all pro 
and just just a straight up good dude with like he's my Walter Payton man of the year every year just because I love him to death. You can follow him on Twitter at B underscore hop 72. He is Bradley D Hopkins. Brad, how are you? So that eloquent introduction comes from the fact that many, many moons ago when a young Austin Huff was breaking into the industry, he interned for a show that myself and Darren McFarland did in Nashville and he did a phenomenal job. And to see how far you've come, I'm almost shedding a tear right now. (laughs) Look at me. Look look at how far I've come. I'm hosting a (laughs) podcast (laughs) like literally everyone else on planet earth. Oh man, do you, Brad? Jack, do you remember you the name? Good? Oh, remember- I'm, I'm making it. Probably not as good as you. I know you. I know you got a flight out to uh, L.A. for um, some yeah. football game coming up. Yeah, yeah, some game. Some yeah. Game. Do you? Uh, hey, what were you saying, Austin? Go ahead. Well, I was gonna. Well, first of all, yeah, I want to talk uh, talk to you about layovers real quick. But uh, but do you remember the name of the show that we worked on together? The very first show. In fact, it was the very first show heard on 102.5 The Game ever. It was called. Um, oh my God! It, it went through a couple of name, name changes. Austin. Like the it, it was the, what the original name of the show was, uh, and then they I think they changed the name a couple of times while you stayed on the mornings. Like you changed co-hosts yeah. and names of that show. So I don't I don't fault you for not remembering. I don't remember Austin, I, and I'm I'm upset at myself for not remembering. What was the name of that show? It was the first quarter. Brought to you by uh, Wendy's. The first quarter. Yeah. Uh, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, great name. The first for quarter on the game. It was too. That's a really good game. And, and it's like, right, it played very well with the, the theme of the station, obviously being a sports talk show, but the game. You know what I mean? The yeah. first quarter of the game. That was right. Awesome. Great, right. Great, great, great play on words. Yeah, which I guess would have made uh, Joe Dubin, because he came on after us, I think. He would have been the second quarter, I guess. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, more like halftime. But whatever. yeah, <laughs> right, right. So Brad, you are you are on a layover currently. You're at the airport. You're on a layover currently, um, getting ready to go out to the Super Bowl. Which, not to brag, because you're not the guy who would brag. So I'll do it for you. But your son, Bryson Hopkins, tight end for the Los Angeles Rams, playing in the Super Bowl out at SoFi Stadium, and you're going to be there, right? Absolutely. And it's is this kind of weird how things have come? Go ahead. What are you say? Oh no, I was just going to ask: Is this your first? Is this your first Super Bowl since the one you played in? No, actually, I've been to a few Super Bowls. Um, just you know, for work more so than anything else. But for this one, I'm strictly going for entertainment. Entertainment: the fact that I am watching my son come full circle, play in a game that uh, I played that same franchise against yeah. in the year 2000. So right. it's kind of weird how things have. You know, like I said, come full circle. Brad, Brad, tell me how that was this season. I mean, the Rams, they add Matthew Stafford. Uh, they bring in Von Miller. And obviously, Bryson spent, uh, you know, two seasons now with the Rams. What's it been like watching that team kind of grow and develop over the course of the season? So, it, it's been a little frustrating for the Hopkins house because, you know, Bryson has been inactive for most of the season. And uh, he just wants to participate, you know. So given that opportunity, I'm sure he's going to do well. But, you know, watching this team almost in the same lens that you guys watched it, you know, from a broadcasting standpoint, they pushed all the chips to the middle of the table. Yeah. And uh, I think given the fact that what Tom Brady was able to pull off last year, hosting a Super Bowl in his backyard, bringing in Matthew Stafford and the plethora of other free agents like they did, Vaughn, Odell, and the likes, 
uh, even bringing back in a uh, waddle at the end, <laughs> they, they pretty much try to secure their opportunity to do the same thing. And, and they're right in the right position. They exercise their demons called the San Francisco 49ers. They didn't get swept <laughs> this year in the, in the uh, NFC championship game, right? We saw how they bullied the Rams in both of those games this year. Uh, but we did see a number of turnovers that were contributing factors to that. If you can get Matthew Stafford to start throwing the ball to shadows and start watching the rush, then they're not near the team that they are. But, you know, I watched like everybody else did. You know, very talented team that had a lot to play for. Um, I don't know if everyone saw them being the favorite in the NFC, especially when Aaron Rodgers was, you know, obviously, you know, having his second MVP type season. Tom Brady, we know how um, how he's positioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get where they were uh, before he decided to retire after that loss. So I think that they had just as much stake in that side of the football as anybody else. But here they are. You know, they made good. Sean McVay obviously said he couldn't get it done uh, with Jared Goff and decided to go ahead and make a, a, a blockbuster trade of sorts, bringing in a guy that hadn't seen a playoff in I don't know how long, if ever. And now he and his wife get to sit here in Southern California and possibly host a Lombardi if they do things right. And, you know, not it's not just Bryson Hopkins that's going to be representing the Middle Tennessee area um, on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. Jalen Ramsey from BA, you have Van Jefferson from Ravenwood. How are those guys as close as I would imagine, you know, just being from the same area, playing against each other growing up? What's the relationship between those three players? So that's the thing is it's, it's so funny. I mean, we know who Jalen Ramsey is mm-hmm. and I'll just leave it at that. You know, obviously he and Bryson competed against each other in high school as did Van. And, Bryce, and, and and a bunch of other area kids here. It just kind of shows you just what a hotbed Nashville is becoming for, um, you know, churning out NFL players. Uh, Dawson Knox is from here, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Keyshawn, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn from here. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. Or uh, uh, what's the other kid? Not Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah. Hurts. That's it. Yeah. I mean, so there's ton, there's tons of athletes coming from this area. Matter of fact, uh, there's another kid from the 49ers that's from this area. Jawan Jennings. Um, Jawan Jennings, exactly. And they all, and and the thing is, I'm not going to say it's an era of football for Nashville, but if you think about it, these kids are all around the same age, right? And I just think it just shows that Tennessee can be a hotbed for recruiting. And it kind of makes you wonder why in the world Tennessee's, the University of Tennessee's program isn't better with such talented players in their own backyard. So it is kind of unique to see these guys, you know, especially playing on the same team, but then playing against one another as well. I, I loved I loved the subtle dig at the Vols. Look, you brought that to the right podcast. <laughs> yes, you did. With Jack, <laughs> Jack is an Ole Miss and Vandy fan, and me being the Mizzou guy than I am, it that that did us well. Now, yeah, the Vols are a little underrepresented here. Yeah, right, right, right. I, everyone listening probably hated it, but we we absolutely loved it. Uh, Brad, now the now. Kendall Blanton is, you know, ahead of, of kind of Bryson on on the depth chart, a tight end that you know kind of came in, and um, he, you know he's had he's had a pretty good pretty good season. Uh, did did you have to have the tough conversation with Bryson and be like, look, Bryson, you know, Kendall is you know starting or you know not starting, but you know playing above you on the depth chart because he went to Mizzou. You know, if you went to a fine academic oh, my establishment oh, like the University wow. of Missouri, you too could have is had. That's where we're going. <laughs> That's where we're going. So Kendall and Bryson are they're very, very close. And you know, Kendall being in the program in the system a year um longer than Bryson has, I'm sure, you know, there's things that he understands about Sean and his play selection terminology and whatnot that 
um, that Bryson is still learning. You know, I think that they're both running together still because they're still both relatively young players. Shoot, I remember when uh, Drew Locke and um, um, who was the boy that was at Purdue and they had the, the, the shootout. Uh, uh, the oh, kids at oh. Detroit. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember the Purdue quarterback, but I remember that game very well. Bryson, yes, didn't Bryson yes, have sir. a catch that would like deflect it off he, a dude's helmet? He did, and he ran in for touchdown. So, yeah, that made me. It, just, I, I was I was equal story. parts excited for you and your family, but also like, why did you have to do that against Mizzou? Ticked off, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, so it's just you know when you um. He understands how competitive this whole situation is, and, and this, this the NFL is really about opportunity, you know. And Kendall is definitely taking advantage of that with the injuries to Tyler Higby, and even if Tyler's MCL isn't something that takes him out of the game, um, you know, he'll he'll won't be 100% at best. So you should probably see all three tight ends, Higby, Hopkins, and Blanton, uh, active for this game, and especially if they get into more 12 personnel. We know they, you know, ran running some 12 later on with Sony Michelle before Cam Makers came back kind of went back to more 11, you know, to kind of spread the football around with more put in, in Stafford's hands. But I think the running element of the game, of this game coming up is, is super important. And to be able to do that effectively, you got to have more tight ends than just one or two active on the roster. So I think you're, you're going to see him go on the field and we'll see what he can do. Brad, you know when the Super Bowl rolls around, everybody loves to gamble on the game, whether it's player props, you know, props on Snoop Dogg's <laughs> halftime performance, whatever it may be, people love to get skin in the game. Before we got you on, I, I made it a point to go on DraftKings. They actually sponsor the podcast, so I have to shout them out when I go to their sports book. Um, I went to DraftKings, and on DraftKings, I looked up touchdown scores, anytime touchdown scores in the Super Bowl. I found Bryson Hopkins at plus 850. So it pays $850 if you wager $100 if Bryson Hopkins is able to find the end zone on Super Bowl Sunday. So what we were thinking was, Maybe you, you know, you lay down some money and then we'll all three split the winnings when it happens. Yeah, yeah. How's that sound? Well, so first off, I have to give you guys a finder, Steve, because I didn't even know that that was a prize, okay? <laughs> okay, And number yeah. two, let me tell you the story. Let me tell you the story real quick. Do you remember in the uh, divisional round, the, um, the snap that went past Matthew Stafford's head? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was going to be Bryson's first touchdown. Oh, No! Yes, because the, the, the formation was perfect. They weren't covering him. He was he was Matthew Stafford's first read, and he wasn't even covered, so he was going to score. Had that ball not sailed past his head, Bryson would have already been on the scoreboard having caught his first touchdown. He was oh so upset. Gosh. Oh, so that's the so worst. Upset. Do you believe that that's a play yeah. they may go back to since, you know, they gave him so, the look, but they never really I, ran the play? Yeah, yeah. So, Jack, I said the same thing. I said, well, maybe um, – Maybe Cincinnati wasn't paying attention to that formation as much. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. to see Bryson in that situation in a flex position, you know, it was supposed to be Tyler, but of course there was Bryson on that rotation. But that, but, but I say that to, I said that to say that prop might not be as you know crazy as you think. Yeah. Because of, like you said, if that look comes up again, or if another situation like that comes up where Bryson's on the field, I will bet dollar, dollars to donuts that my man will reach the end zone. So I'm going to find that bet, and I'm going to take it. Do oh it. It's God. on DraftKings. You'll be able to find it. Uh, oh okay, I'm gosh. excited now. All right, this is great. So yeah. Brad's going to put down the money, and we're going to split the winnings with him. I love that. <laughs> I love it. That last part, we'll, that last part we'll, we'll talk about later on, but <laughs> that was definitely the first part. 
Oh, man. All right. So, Brad, now, look, you know, we're talking a lot about Bryson, but I mean, look, you played in a uh, pretty big Super Bowl yourself. Um, and I was thinking about this today. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked every question left and right about the Super Bowl just in your entire career and uh, an entire, even your post broadcasting career, uh, post playing career. So, um, but my question to you is, and like, do you, is there, is there a play in your mind? Because look, we as like, I say we as football players, you know, here I am like trying to relate to an an NFL former all pro, Uh, but like, (laughs) like anyone who's played football at any level, high school, middle school, it doesn't matter. Like the plays stick out in your mind vividly and you think about them for the rest of time. And and I was wondering if if there was ever a play for you in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl 34 against the Rams, where obviously it comes down to the final play. It was such a close game. It like it it could have swung one way or the other. I don't think, you know, I still don't think that the Titans lost at Super Bowl. They just ran out of time. Uh I, right. I like was there a play for you in that game where you're just like like it just replays over and over in your head? It, it, like on a play where maybe like you missed an assignment or maybe you missed a block or, or it, maybe you could have gone, you know, you, you, you could have gone harder on one play that you didn't. And it, you, you just constantly re- replaying it. Is, is there anything like that for you? You know, the crazy part is normally I would find something to nitpick in my game, but Austin, Jack, I played one of the better games that I had played in that one. Mm-hmm. Brent Wisterm and I went at it, you know, for 60 minutes. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I got the better of him, and there's no way that he would argue that. But there is one play that does stand out, and it was Steve keeping the play alive when Kevin Carter had him sacked. Yeah. Kevin had him dead to rights, was yeah. dragging him to the ground, and just what a Herculean effort Steve put in to maintain his balance, keep his feet, throw the ball, I think it was to Kevin Dyson, um, for a first down right? Continuing to drive to get us inside the 20. But that play right there, had that had Kevin got that sacked, out of in the ball game. It wouldn't have even been as prolific as the Super Bowl it turned out to be because, right. you know, it wouldn't have been near as dramatic. But that play right there, I saw it dead to right. I thought, oh my God, he's done. And then somehow, this dude shakes off 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds <laughs> of Kevin Carter, right. and somehow throws a, throws a dime, or throws a bullet to Kevin Dyson to continue to drive. And you can look it up. I mean, you, a lot of people will remember what play I'm talking about. But that one right there, I mean, my mouth is on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, uh, Steve, that was Steve McNair to a T, right? Extending well, plays, finding guys downfield. Hey, you know, Jack, you, Jack, you know that was Steve. That's mm-hmm. what he did. Yeah. That was a big play. But more so than anything else, fellas, the temperament that Steve brought to the huddle was something that uh, made him great. I remember we were losing a game in the Meadowlands. We were playing on um, the Giants, and they just went up and score. I think it was just outside of two minutes, maybe inside of two minutes. And we were down by about four. So field goal wouldn't have won it. And everybody was kind of, it was raining. I just remember it was just a crappy day. And uh, Steve came in the huddle, and he had his hands in his hand warmer. He was kind of strolling in because of the TV timeout. And uh, he looked at us all and started laughing. We were like, what's what, what funny? He said, why all the long faces? And when he said that, we all just <laughs> fell out laughing, you know? So, Look, but that but that relative ease that he brought to the huddle, it just allowed us to put together, you know, five, six play drive, get into the end zone, and we walked away there with, with a W. And it was because of the way that he came into that huddle. I'll always remember that. 
Yeah, that that play kind of got extended life this season uh, because in the Texans game, Ryan Tannehill had a very similar play on, I think it was a third and long where he, you know, broke away from what looked to be like a sack. The Titans were going to have to punt away and he found Nick Westbrook Akine down the sideline to continue the drive and a drive that ultimately ended, I believe in a a game winning field goal. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, you know, that was, that was Tannehill this season. Now, speaking of Tannehill, that's like a, uh, uh, that's a freaking hot button name right now amongst Titans fans. You either say it and uh, you believe in the guy or you say it and you absolutely hate him. You want him gone. And it's, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not here to debate one way or the other, whether the criticism is, is unfair or not. Uh, but he, it, but the criticism is there. And my question to you, Brad, is you, what, Obviously, I, 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 and I'm, I'm pretty sure you did at some point in your career go through, or at least were on a team uh, where there was some sort of quarterback controversy, whether it been, you know, Steve to get the job, or there were some times when Neil O'Donnell was playing better than Steve, or Billy Volek was playing better than Steve. And like, you know, there was, there was some of that criticism starting to build and mount. You as like a player or a, 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 you know, a teammate of a quarterback that you know he's kind of getting, dragged through the ringer like how do you handle that in-house like how do you do you even like talk about it with with the player or do you just like like pretend like everything is fine and dandy or 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 what like i i'm 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 so curious as to what how that plays on the inside well i'm glad you asked that question because first off perceptions and reality are completely different in both situations yeah the perception and reality in, our, in the locker room is completely different than the perception and reality in public. Okay. First off, there's probably no one in that locker room that can do what Ryan Tannehill does. And that's no. just it. Okay. He does his job. Now there are other people that need to do their jobs. Receivers need to catch. Linemen need to block. Running backs need to do their part. You know, it, it all comes down to, so what I'm saying is Ryan Tannehill is the perfect quarterback for this system. Do you know why? Because this system isn't predicated on throwing the football. It's predicated on running the football. And he doesn't have the kind of personality that demands the ball in his hands, which then allows him to take advantage of the foundation of this offense. God and those guys set it up for a reason, because they know that Derrick Henry is one of the most talented players in the league, and they're going to ride him until they can't ride him anymore. And that doesn't, mean, that doesn't constitute Ryan Tannehill sitting in the pocket throwing it around to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones all day. It just doesn't work that way. Okay, so what I'm saying is he's a perfect complement to the style of this this team, the physicality that Mike Rabel would love to have indoctrinated on his offense. He doesn't make it about him. Do you have to have the passing element? Of course you do, because if you didn't, if you would just stack the box and make it impossible for you to run, because there'd be more bodies to block than there are, to, you know, people to block them. So you got to have people that can keep the keep the defense honest and at least play that second level, that third level. You know, like they would be if there was a you know a predominant player back there. And fortunately for them, they do have those guys. You know, are they missing some of the underneath stuff? Sure. You know, they could probably use a dominant tight end. They probably could use, you know, a, if Julio were healthy, a great number two. You know what I'm saying to complement yeah. AJ's uh, AJ's ability to stretch the defense. But I think he's a great compliment. And I would say to anybody that you know hasn't watched film or some of these things that kind of leave things you know to to, to be I guess determined by other forces, but Ryan Tannehill is not the problem, and he was not the problem, and he will not be the problem. 
you know, you can say injuries are the problem. You can say drops are the problem. You can say, sure, he's not accurate all the time. But what quarterback is? Even play calling? Tom Brady looks – yeah. Well, I mean, play, play calling – okay, so okay, so you guys really want to know what happened in the, uh, in the uh, division round. This is yes. what happened. Yeah, no, I, there's Mike nothing Rabel, I want to know more than, than what happened in that game. <laughs> okay, so this is what happened. Mike Vrabel was damned if he did, and he was damned if he didn't by using Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry may have been physically able to play, but was he physically ready to contribute like Deontay Foreman had already been doing? He was the hot hand. He was a more explosive player. But I know the, the court of public opinion would have killed Mike Vrabel had he not participated, had Derrick Henry be such an active participant in the game and rode the hot hand that got them into the position that they were in. I mean, we were asking Deontay Foreman to be Derrick Henry, and eventually he ended up being Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry couldn't be himself in the postseason. Those short yardage plays that we saw Derrick get stopped on. If that was September Derrick, it wouldn't even been a thought. He'd have been in the end zone. He'd have continued first downs. But that wasn't him yet. He's still trying to find himself. So had they done what they'd been doing to get them to that point, those situations where you saw them being stopped at the line of scrimmage would not have happened because of what Deontay Foreman was already bringing to the table. So had Mike not used him, he'd got killed if they lost for not using him. He used him, and he wasn't near as explosive a player that he needed to be to, have, to be that effective in the run game. Deontay Foreman was the better option. He just couldn't use him like we wanted him to. And that's a great point. I haven't really heard it explained that way, I don't think, this since, since the Titans lost. But that, that, that is – I mean, it's true. Think of the think of it, fellas. Think of the rhythm. Think of the flow. Think of the weeks that that it took for uh, Deontay to get comfortable and get in that position. Think how long it took him to do that. How long do you think it took Derek to do the same thing? One yeah, game? Right. No way in the world. And he didn't he didn't practice like that during the week, did he? No. You see him going through nine on seven and going through you know uh, goal line drills during the week, getting real physical, getting his pads dusted up because that been that had been counterproductive. So then his first real live action was in the playoff game. Yeah. Well, and so Derek's always been one of those players did? that like he gets better as as games and time goes on. Like Derek's better in December exactly. than he is in, in September. And exactly. with essentially a second off season, yeah, it's like, you know, he mm -hmm. he he we you couldn't expect him to be great in that first game back. No, but they but see thing, but what do we talk about? The return of the king. Oh <laughs> you know, who was talking about coming. that? <laughs> I who I don't know. We weren't no, we weren't hyping that up at all. I don't know what you're talking about, Brad. I uh <laughs> but I and listen, I, I fell into it too, you know what I'm saying? But I was also but I was also silly to think that this Derrick Henry could all of a sudden step into the month of January and look like bam like he'd been in you know yeah. October, November dude. You know what I mean? This yeah. is right. what happened. Brad, over the weekend, you know, and this has been a big issue for a handful of years in the NFL. The week leading up to the Super Bowl, how do they, you know, make the Pro Bowl as attractive as they possibly can? Nowadays, it, it's pretty much, you know, elevated two-hand touch football. Um, none of the stars want to get hurt. You know, there's been injuries in, in the past that uh, makes guys really even skittish to play in the game. But when you were playing, you made two Pro Bowls, 2000, 2003. Mm -hmm. What was the Pro Bowl experience like for you? Because, I, I mean, nowadays there's a, there's a cash prize for winners. I think it's 75000 and then the losers get half of that. But back in the day, you guys were playing way harder for much less money. What was that like? So, Jack, we played a game. This isn't a game, mm -hmm. what we're seeing now. The defenses aren't even rushing. How many times do you see a dude standing around Russell Wilson while he tries to find a receiver? Come on, man. <laughs> That's not even real. You can't even pretend it's a game like that. But – 
what they can do is they can do exactly what the game was designed to do. Entertain us. Were you not entertained watching um, uh, uh, Diggs do a flip in the uh, over a bag to catch a ball? You know what I mean? Or, you know, weren't you excited to see uh, Michael Parsons out sprinting? Nick, Nick Chubb? Yeah, the skills know? the skills competition was, was fine. I thought it was great, mm-hmm. honestly. So, no, but, but that's what it needs to be. Instead of calling this a game where people are, 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 are not going to go 100% because you can't go 100%. Wouldn't um, uh, Max Crosby look like a complete jackass if he all of a sudden just went back there and started wrecking shop? And you can't expect linemen to block hard. You know what I'm saying? Because why, why would I contribute to uh, uh, why would I go to a game after a long season to go against the best of the best of the best I can? I'm not going to yeah. do that. You're dumb. You know what I mean? So you have to you have to call it what it is. It's an entertainment situation. And it could be instead of calling it pro the Pro Bowl, call it Pro Bowl Week, where you have a different day of different events than all the, the that the game's greatest players get to show their feats of strength, feats of speed, feats of skill against one another. Because I would love to see um the two strongest offensive and defensive linemen, you know, pulling a gator full of kids. You know what I mean? Or, or <laughs> You know, or, or watch, or watch, like we just said, watch these players do it. You know, an amazing job racing and sprinting each other. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just, um, uh, it's just, um, you know, it's just one of those situations where I think you just need to stop defining it as a game like we used to play. You know, like where you legit were going out there and you're playing a game to what it is actually nowadays, which is just allowing the fans to get closer to, you know, the all stars. You know what I mean? It's allowing the, the microphone in their hands and to be a different, you know, a different space for people now. Where where did the mentality change though? Because I mean, it's not like when you were playing, like you guys wanted to get injured in a in an exhibition game, but you know, like it wasn't like it like the mindset was still there back when when you played. Like, yeah, we don't want to get injured. We would like to, especially before free agency. Like it was like all the problems that they're they're clamoring for now. You guys had back then, but you still found a way to play a football game. Like you still found a way to play tackle football and get guys to the ground. And like, you know, like I can play in a Turkey bowl every year with no pads on and, and cut walk away with no injuries. Like, so like why I, I don't understand like why they can't at least like, and sure. Like when you played, like it was a lighter football game than you would see, you know, in the playoffs or even during the regular season, but it was still, football like Sean this, Taylor was decapitating punters I mean yeah there, exactly still like that element in the game yeah but I, there's 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 too much at stake now fellas yeah but Way but how is it more stake. now than it was when you played oh my gosh I mean that's what it's all about I mean think about it when let's just say that a quarterback was worth 25 million when I played right yeah and if you lost a dude that was worth 25 million in a pro bowl game you're gonna catch some slack okay but nowadays these guys are worth 125 million dollars and you have that same situation happen, you're not going to catch some slack. You're going to get fired. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's just not worth the risk for these for these athletes to go out there and perpetrate a game, you know, like a Pro Bowl for what? For what? You, you would need to get any better. The NFL needs to guarantee fully guarantee contracts, and you know people will go harder and play in these games. Okay, now you did that. Now that's, that's, now that's another thing, Jack. And that's a great point. If you if you were to guarantee contracts, and you see a players not have not have to worry near so much about mm-hmm. you know getting hurt, why? Because they know that they're going to get paid regardless, right? 
But if yeah, you're talking about totally. very limited opportunities and then guys breathing down your neck to replace you once you can't do your job and no guaranteed money behind that, I'm not going to participate in a, in a Pro Bowl like that if you're talking about competing at that level. For what? You know, in the end, I have to be able to compete for my team, not so for myself. You know what I'm saying? So no one's going to condone that. So just the fact that it's it's more money now, like it's it's just it's more money. That's the difference between the mindset nowadays than when you played, right? Because I mean, I guess the mindset was still more there. Money, the, more money, more money, more money, more risk. Yeah, right. More money, yeah. more risk. Totally. That's what we're talking about. Seriously, to, I mean, think about this. And that's the difference between what? That's the difference between every player in the league. Look at the look at the last dude in the roster, how much he makes. Is he as important as the guy that, that's the highest paid roster? The guy that's, high, that's highest paid on that roster? No. You're not going to say that he is. So what are we talking about? Money being the difference. And the higher the money, the more the risk. They, they need to send the Pro Bowl to a farm upstate, if you, if you catch my drift. You know, just go ahead, put that thing down. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't let it. I, but, I, don't you like, but don't you like the Pro Bowl moving around? I like the, I like the venues moving around. I like the, I, Pro I like the idea of like the Pro Bowl, Bowl more than I actually yeah. like the Pro Bowl. Like, it's not, to me, like, it's, like, if you're going to just essentially do a glorified walkthrough, like, no thanks. Like, uh, like, and I think that's, I think that's why, I think that's why ratings are slipping and, and nobody, like the Pro Bowl used to be like a cool, you know, I used to be an all-star game, you know, like, and everyone, it was, and I mean, I think putting it the week in between Super Bowl week, like you're not getting, you know, players from the two yeah, best okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Austin. When you watch the all-star game for basketball, do you watch it for the game itself or do you watch it for the three-point contest yeah. and the dunk contest? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's what that's I watch what you it watch. for. That's what you, yes, you watch it for that. Not a game. So what I'm saying is make it about the elements around the game, not necessarily a quote-unquote game. You know what I'm saying? If we, right. got, if we got out of our thinking that this is going to be a competition as far as them getting on the field in you know, uh, national against American, no, that's not, that's not the way we need to start thinking about this. We need to start thinking about this like – Tyreek Hill is the fastest man on the planet. Let's see how fast he actually is. Um, when I played, uh, Larry Johnson could bench 700 pounds. <laughs> I would love to see somebody on a bench press rack with five plates on each side. That would be stupid, and I would watch that. Right. You see what I'm saying? Or, or, pull, or pulling a Peterbilt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Something like that. Or, or, dudes, or dudes showing me, you know what? You see all these great athletic receivers dunking on the goalposts, right? Let's have a goalpost dunk contest. Oh, I love I that idea. That. Yeah, I'd be See fun. what I'm saying? Yeah. These are things that people would people would be entertained by. And guess who they're watching? They're watching the greatest athletes in the world doing these things. So you're just and you're gonna pay just as much to see. When when you say pulling a Peterbilt, do you mean an actual Peterbilt or just Derrick Henry? <laughs> uh <laughs> <pretty> good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could think about those. Seriously, I would love to see uh, Nasani Mutai, who set the uh, combine bench press record like forty-five. I'd love to see him go against you know some, you know some monster uh, O lineman that you or D lineman that you know is super strong, right? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I'd love to see that. I would right. love to see that. You well, know what I mean? That'd yeah, be no, amazing. That would be just as fun. Look, I, that's why they need to put, they need to look NFL hire Brad Hopkins. All right. Put this man in charge. He clearly has better ideas. To do. He has better much, ideas than you do NFL. So hire him right now. Uh, a free trip to Vegas though, Brad, if you do it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Well, that, there's that. That's what, if I was pro bowl commissioner, I would move the game back to Hawaii. First step, just get it back to Hawaii. Make it a destination. I, I, you know what? Back. I will say I, I'm with you there, Austin. I love my trips to Hawaii, yeah. but, 
is it really affordable for for John Q fan? You know, no, no. But they don't have nearly access to players that you know. Based on the product that would they put out every Detroit. every year, I don't think they really care one mm. lick about John Q fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, before we let you go, I do. I would be remiss if I did not ask you this. Now, look, I don't want to embarrass you, um, at mm. least not publicly. Uh, but you are a University of Illinois graduate, um, so and, and? <laughs> no, that was just it. I didn't want to embarrass you, but you are an oh, Illinois grad, yeah. and uh, the uh, now the previous head coach at U of I. Lovey Smith has now been hired as the head coach yeah. of division rival Houston Texans. Um, do you, uh, obviously Lovey had a tremendous career with the Chicago bears. Uh, you know, he, he took them to a super bowl. He multiple NFC championships. He was like, fired after a 10 win season. I'm still upset about that. I'm, yeah. Right. Right. I, I actually yeah. loved Lovey when he was, when he was with the bears. Um, but, you know, I think the his stint at U of I didn't go as people thought it would. It did it like he had, I think, maybe one good season uh, with Illinois and then went back to the pros. Do you like that hire for the Texans coming from, you know, obviously you had him at your alma mater. Do you do you think he'll do better in the pros back in the head coach closer to what he did in his Bears days? Or do you think it'll look more along the lines of his, you know, U of I stint? Mm. Well, the U of I stint was because at the at the at the collegiate level, you have to do more developing. Right. You know, when you're a pro, when you're a pro coach, you know, there's less uh, of you having to coach, so to speak. You know, because these guys understand what it takes to be a winner, and that's where he's back to. So I do feel better about this hire than when he was in Champaign, not because of his inability to coach, but simply who he's coaching. He's coaching men again, which is great. You know what I'm saying? Instead of expecting players to be able to do some of the things on their own and, you know, not be told what to do. Uh, we saw that this didn't work well, you know, at that college level, especially with the players that they have. Now, the difficulty comes in for a defensive minded coach exacting the quarterback. You see what I'm saying? So it's really about who he hires at offensive coordinator to further the, the, the progress of, um, uh, uh, David Mills, Mills. Yeah. you know, or, or, or whoever, you know what I'm saying? In other words, if you don't bring in a veteran and you, and you're looking to the draft or you're looking to bring in some young developmental guy, then you know what, that hired offensive coordinator is going to be, you know, a lot more important versus you bringing in Tom Brady, right? Bruce Arians, you see what I'm saying? Or right. Robert Sala, you know, Robert Sala is the guy that obviously defensive minded guy that, that's tasked with what hiring somebody to bring out the best in Zach Wilson. Well, we'll see. So the same situation is going to exist in Houston. I love Lovey's uh, his scheme. I think he has a great rapport with players. He's a successful coach that has a lot of respect. You know, and he's back where where he um, where he's done it best in the pros. But can he find the right guy to help develop his quarterback, which is what we know most coaches are gauged by. Now we do a segment on this podcast uh, called "Laughing at the Texans," where I'm. I'm pretty sure you could probably imagine what we just do. Hysterical in laughter for 20 to 30 seconds. 20 just to about 30 seconds of just straight laughter at the the Texans. And and look, we've run that segment a lot over the last year and a half, uh, dating back to the Bill O'Brien days of the Texans. Do you, Brad, think we can or should do that segment in this episode with the Lovey Smith hire, or do you think it's 
like, or should we like kind of maybe wait and see how it plays out? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get to giggling too much on that one. <laughs> okay, you know I mean? all right. <laughs> but, but no, no. But that's not to say that I don't. I'm not confident about what we have here in Nashville. Right. You know, yeah. you know but uh, we. Just, I mean, put it this way: the Jacksonville Jaguars in Houston, Texas, aren't going to be at the bottom of the division for long. Right? They're very yeah. storied franchises. Uh, we'll see. We've seen Doug Peterson work his magic before. He made Carson Wentz. He made Nick Foles. He'll make Trevor Lawrence. So that's going to be a competitive situation. We already know who the Colts are, and uh, the Texans aren't going to be at the bottom for long. So it's going to be much like the AFC North, where you got a few teams, if not all of them, buying for the playoffs. And I don't know if I'll be giggling too too soon. Okay. All right. All right. We'll hold it off just until he messes up right. the first time. So I got until he messes up. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got one last question. I know you got a flight to catch, um, but sure. last year, the the week of the Super Bowl, we had our friend Alan Bell on who is, you know, this gambling savant. And, you know, I, while I know that we're all going to make some money on the Bryson Hopkins bet that you placed. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, right, I, right, I, would, right. I would be remiss um, to not ask you what you think the outcome of the coin toss is. We mentioned all the props there are. Are you a heads or tails yeah, guy at the yeah. toss? And did you get to call well, tosses I'm, with the Titans? I did. I did. And I'm a, I'm a tails guy. Because I yeah, think so, the, so are the we. Heads weighs, it weighs more. Yeah, it weighs more, and it's going to end up yes. falling on his face. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, right. do you, who do you got calling it? Who do you got winning the car? Uh, well, I mean, we're, we're going with whatever you got. So if you got yeah. tails, we're going. Yeah, tails. we're taking tails then. We're going all in on tails on the prop bet. Tails is it. Tails is it. Tail, you know, tails they say tails never fails. So I don't know why you would ever go heads if tails never oh, fails. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's important too whether or not the flip is hitting the ground or if they're doing one of those catches the, the catch and in place flips on the hand. Yeah. Because yeah. then then it's normally heads. Because Brad, like you, I I'm a firm believer in the head side of the coin weighs a little bit more. But when yep. you catch it and yep. flip it, that's oh, in turn yeah, flipping that's to the true. opposite side. Yeah. But in the that's NFL, true. it just hits the ground. So you got to go tails. So aren't they supposed to let it hit the ground though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes. they do in the NFL. I'm just okay. saying, like, if you okay, do, yeah, like, a yeah, coin yeah. flip amongst your friends, yeah. then, yeah, then you got to go. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, then we won't have a problem with that one, because you're right. They're not supposed <laughs> to touch that thing. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're a coin flip um, experts. We uh, are. Yeah, no, more, no more Jerome Bettis moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> we're, we're not experts in much of anything around these parts, but coin flips, that's one thing you will get. Right out up of, our alley. You know, there's a lot of disappointed Titans fans that listen to this podcast and be like, man, I thought they'd be experts on the Titans. But no, we're all, we're solely experts when it comes to coin flips, and that's it. And there you go. We should get it some. Well, we're okay at it. You know, we lost yeah. last year, so hopefully we get back on track. We did yeah. lose last year. Yeah, with that said. <laughs> uh brad hopkins dude you were the man thank you so much for hanging out with us during your layover i know layovers are never fun and they're probably even less fun when you have to do a podcast interview so we appreciate it greatly uh you're the man we hope all your uh your luggage arrives at the at its final destination and uh we hope you enjoy the super bowl and we hope uh well we don't hope we will be exciting and going uh we will be losing our absolute minds when bryson scores that touchdown in the super bowl you and me both, and you guys, thanks for helping pass the time in O'Hare. You guys have a good week. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle.
Love us some Brad Hopkins. Thank you to him for uh, for joining us. And Jack, I, this technically wasn't on our rundown of things to talk about, but I feel like we kind of have to. It's our due diligence to not to. But uh, should we talk about uh, San Diego Padres' new right fielder, A.J. Brown? <laughs> <laughs> He's been flirting on social media, hasn't he? Dude, he, and he posted that video uh, today of him in the batting cages. Swing looks Very good. nice swing, dude. I, yeah. I can see, like, he was going to play at um, at Ole Miss had he not have signed out of high school with the Padres. Yeah. But because he, because he signed with the Padres out of high school, he could he legally just couldn't uh, play uh, college baseball. But my goodness, dude. I And I know, like, Titans fans are getting real hot and bothered. Not all Titans fans, but a, a good chunk uh, are getting their panties in a wad about all of this. Like, you know, don't you think you need to focus on getting healthy and staying healthy? Or don't you think you need to focus on playing, you know, winning football games before you start jumping to other sports? Like, first of all, if you're one of those people, you are part of the problem. You suck. God, uh, Titans fans are just so irritable at this time. And I get it. You know, we're, we're, we're sad. Right. We, we uh, should look, be there. I know. We went, we want a damn Super Bowl. I get it. We all do. Okay. But like AJ Brown wanting, like, and look, he's not him flirting or like throwing out tweets about baseball. It's getting him hella engagement right now. So keep yep. doing that. Keep tweeting as much you want about baseball. Go to the batting cages. I don't care. I look, I want AJ Brown to be happy. And I think he would be great at baseball if he did. And one, I think it would be awesome Two, I think it would be only be beneficial for the overall Titans brand. You know, if you have like a Deion Sanders on your team, because we Lord knows how much the media loves a dual sport athlete. And he's got the Deion Sanders personality kind of not as cocky, but he's, he's very fun. And he was taking yeah. BP shout out at the Hillwood, by the way, taking BP at some at Hillwood high. Um, go. so you know, I, I just, Hill, I, anybody who went to Hillwood, there you go. I, nothing's going to come of it, but I just think it's, it's fun. So just have some fun. It's just have another a, thing a, for Titans fans to get pissed about. Have a sense of humor about it. You know, like let the dude have like, he's, it's his off season. He's earned the right to have some fun at a batting cage. Uh, Lovey Smith and Doug Peterson are brand new to the division. Jack, um, I was going to, I was going to maybe do a laughing at the Texans segment, um, this week until talking oh, to Brad yeah. Hopkins. I mean, if he, they would have hired Josh McCown, it would have been perfect. Yeah, that would have been really funny. How funny was that, by the way, that they were so set on Josh McCown, who has no coaching experience. No coaching Nicola. experience. And yet, yeah, he had multiple interviews. Like, he was a finalist for that job. Uh, just that is, to me, that is hilarious. And I just, I've loved every minute of this Texans coaching search. They were because, pretty close to hiring him until Twitter was like, what? That's so, a bad idea, Texans. Bad idea. Go back to the drawing board. I know. I kind of wish they would have, but I'm also okay with them hiring Lovey Smith because, look, I know Lovey Smith had some success uh, with the Bears way back in the day, but gone are those days. And keep in mind, Lovey Smith was on the Texans coaching staff last season. Like, he was, he was their defensive coordinator. So, and – I didn't have like, you know, obviously it's the Texans. It's not like, you know, he's kind of trying to cook dinner with a bear cupboard down there, but I think I'm not, I, I, I'm not like, I'm not sweating this. Okay. I like this no. hire. Dare I say, I love it. Yeah. I, you know, I got, to, I got a little taste of Lovey Smith when Jay Cutler was in Chicago, the team that I followed pretty closely <laughs> and it really, really wasn't Lovey small or fault that he got fired there. But yeah, it, 
I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. And what I'm interested to see is if the Texans decide to bring on Josh McCown to the coaching staff as kind of like a, an heir apparent yeah. for Lovey Smith. Whenever he, you know, whenever he makes that one tiny mistake, and they'll be like, oh, well, Josh McCown, he's got experience now. He makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, it's kind of like uh, when they hired David Coley last year. It's, it's almost yeah. like they hired David Coley to be like a one-year stopgap, which – I felt was very weird. And um, they didn't even, they, they didn't even tank hard enough really. Right. And they didn't have a plan. Like they didn't have a succession plan. Like you would mm-hmm. think like, okay, if you are going to do that, which one, you should never do that. That's the worst business practice ever. But if you're going to hire a guy to where you're like, yeah, he's just, he's just filling a void that, you know, we needed filled. Like you should at least in that year, come up with your succession plan. And they did not do that this year. And so honestly, I don't know what this franchise is doing. I never know what this franchise is doing, which is one of the reasons why we always are laughing at this franchise because it is so poorly run. And to me, and this goes with the Lovey Smith and the Doug Peterson hire, both of which are good coaches. They've shown that. I think Doug both Peter- teams could have done a whole lot worse. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Lovey Smith coached in a Super Bowl. They're very good coaches. But to me, Sometimes the franchise outshines the success of a coach. You can have a Bill Belichick in a place like Jacksonville, and he's not going to have the success. He'll make them better, sure. But he's, I don't think. Kind of like Cleveland. There are certain, yeah, exactly. Cleveland is another good idea, a good example. Belichick was at Cleveland Mm -hmm. and didn't have success. So there are the New York Jets are another one. Like, they're just franchises where they have systemic problems built in to their foundation of their of their 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 building. The Washington Redskins, they have problems that like will hinder you from ultimately reaching that goal that you want to meet. And I think the Titans are lucky because they have two of those franchises within the division with the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are much closer, especially with their hire of getting over that hump than the Texans are both with the hire and just where they are at as a franchise. But I still do think it's a huge mountain to climb for both of them. So I liked both of the hires for each team, but I do think that just by being so dysfunctional at the top that their options were pretty limited, right? Like the Jaguars and the Texans, both they can couldn't afford to hire a new head coach, a younger head coach, because of all the problems that they have and, and so much that they'll have to cover up. Like the Titans, the Titans were, weren't great in the past decade, but you know, they didn't have, you know, the skeletons in the closet that, you know, either of these teams have. And right, you know, the, right. the front office was fixed for Vrabel because you bring in a guy like John Robinson for, so for those two places, you can't afford to hire a first time head coach or, or a guy to bring in new fresh blood like Mike McDaniels is for Miami. Um, just, you know, younger coaches with a new energy that you can kind of, revamp the culture completely no you're not you're not able to do that because you've got to have a guy who has seen where the bodies are buried at previous places who's who's been there and done that who you know had success before and both of these guys by the way are older guys um lovey smith 63 years old uh peterson he's had a he's had a ton of experience in the league so while i think these guys are fine for now i don't think either of these teams will be picking in the top three next year but I mean, no, they'll, they'll it's be, not like it's not like either of these guys are going to transform these either of these teams into wild card contenders. I mean, they'll still I mean, be probably around the five, six wins 
win mark. I was going to say the Texans. The there, Texans you... could be picking picking three. I I just think just the way their their franchise is built. Nobody and... wants to play at either of these places. How do you how are you able to, you know, pay talent adequately? Like you're going to have to overpay for for some of the. You're just going to have to you're going to have to pay a premium on guys that you shouldn't have to be, just to get them to come play for you. That that's how that's how poorly things have, have kind of worked out in both of those places in the last few years. There are certain franchises within the NFL that I just it you could do pretty much anything, you could make pretty much any higher, and I just don't have the belief that you will turn it around because of the just the way the franchise is built and designed. And I think a large part of that stems it, it starts at ownership and it trickles down. Um and I feel that because I am a Titans fan. And I felt that way back in 2010, 2011, 2012. I felt that way about the Titans franchise. And I always used to say back back then, a decade ago, this franchise is not going to get good until Bud Adams moves on from being the owner. It starts at the top. And Bud Adams, sure enough, it took... And look, I don't mean to speak ill, and I'm not speaking ill. I've just, it took Bud Adams passing away for this Titans franchise to turn the corner. Amy Adams took over, had a couple of years. Then she made the hires of John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, and then things started to shift. Things start, well, no, even before then, John Robinson, Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey played a big role in, in, kind of getting that the team over the over that hump and then and passing Mon- the baton off to John Robinson. Munchak, while his teams were very boring, I mean, they were more competitive than what we've seen out of Jacksonville and Houston in the last year or two. Sure, but but the Ken Wisenhunt days, they were yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. Like it this this franchise was in a dark place. And I always felt that way. I felt that the Titans aren't going to get good until they either Bud Adams either sells the team or he passes away. Sure enough, he passed away. Amy Adams takes over, and she has done a phenomenal job with this franchise. And I feel that way about certain teams in the NFL, and Jacksonville and uh, and and the Texans are two of those franchises. I think again, Jacksonville, I think is closer to getting over that hump than the Texans are. The Texans are in a dark place right now, and we know because we have been there. We were there a decade ago. And I don't know how they got out of it. And I'm sure I'm nearly positive. Lovey Smith is not the answer uh, that will get them out. Yeah. Of it. And last thing, while both of these, these hires, I think you could have done a whole lot worse. Both of these places. I, I think that, you know, they're, these coaches are fair, you know, they don't deserve, you know, a whole bunch of criticism because I mean, Peterson won a damn Super Bowl not too long ago. Yeah, and he knows Carson Wentz, who's in the division. I, right. there's a, that's a good hire. You you need an offensive guy like him to help Trevor Lawrence. However, that front office still can't be trusted. That's those are the same group of people that decided Urban Meyer was the right guy, right? And, and, and same with the Texans. Yeah, they hire a 65 year old head coach, first time head coach last season. Right. And now you know they they really it's, it's clear how much they like McCown. There's still some of the really big red flags. In both of those front offices, while it, it you know you can have a, f- a fine head coach, yeah, that's not going to matter because the guys who are in charge of the personnel 
it's the decision making. It. Yeah, it's the decision making and it trickles from the top down. And you'd be surprised at how many times an owner or someone high up who shouldn't have their hand. Look at Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, you know, like someone who has their hand in, in football personnel where they probably shouldn't. Like they don't trust the people that they hire to do the jobs that they hired them to do. That's when you run into problems. And there's a lot of franchise, franchises out there that that have those issues. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I don't think it's, uh, I'm not worried, I guess. Shit rolls downhill. Have you ever heard that saying? Shit rolls uh, downhill. Okay. I, so, I've never heard the saying, but I've assumed that. Yeah. My first, very first job I worked, uh, very first job. One of the, one of the guys working with me told me this. So what, what was, what was your first job? Landscaping. Okay. All right. So, so literal mulch runs downhill. Well, yes. <laughs> good. That's a good joke. <laughs> um, but, but so what it, what it means is, you know, if, if things are bad at the top, it's going to, that, that, that piece of poop is going to roll down the hill and it's going to yeah. stop at the lowest point, which uh -huh. are the players, which is the team, the actual team. Right. And right. That product is going to stink. Yeah. Right? So, so it, it starts at the top, it rolls downhill and it lands on the field and within the 53 man roster with the coaching staff, they're the ones who have to deal with it. So that, that's kind of where the, the, the Jaguars are. Right. Least. So the landscaper will tell you, you need to build like some sort of like retaining wall to keep that, that shit from rolling down the hill. Right. Yeah. Or like a tree line or something. Yeah. 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 Just in, and in between the owner and, and maybe like the GM or, or the GM and the coaching staff. Yeah. No, I, I got you there. You see what I'm saying? Okay. I, I a hundred percent agree. That's a great, that's a great take uh, to put a cap on our lovey Smith, Doug Peterson talk. Let's <laughs> now get to remember the Titan Jack. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I let you go first last week. So I'm going to do it this week. Okay. That all right with good. you? Yeah, that's fine. I got a good one. I'm excited for mine this week. I'm I'm excited for mine this week. Okay, I have to wish this man a happy belated birthday because he was born on January 28th of 1992. He's 30 years old. Oh, nice. Okay. 5'11", running back, out of Toledo. Some of you may know it now. I don't know. Maybe you need another clue. He played three seasons with the Titans, his last being in 2019. Bishop Sankey played at Washington, so it's not him. Yeah, and he definitely wasn't playing in 2019. And he definitely didn't go to Toledo, yeah. So David Fluellen Jr., flu season. It's cold flu outside. He's a flu. Everybody's dealing with some type of junk. David Fluellen was actually a fine piece for the Titans. He was kind of – he was a break glass in case of emergency running back for the Titans. Yeah. Now, he really – eight carries in his career – for 37 yards, that's 4.6 yards per rush. I mean, that's solid numbers. It's just he was never really used as a featured back, obviously only logging eight carries in his career. David Fluellen, he was an undrafted free agent in the 2014 NFL draft. The Eagles gave him a chance. They picked him up. Now, he didn't really last long. In, in fact, he was actually part of a major trade in the NFL. David Fluellen on August 20th, 2014, was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for place kicker and former Titan, Cody Parkey. Parkey. A Fluellen for Parkey trade, straight up. Wow, a Fluellen for the double doink. And they both end up with the Titans. The Titans really showed the Eagles and the Colts. Um, <laughs> then, so after Fluellen was traded, for the, traded to the Colts, they waived him a mere 10 days later. The Colts said, ah, 10 days, I've seen enough. Right. But that's where the Titans swoop in because on July of 2019, um, the next year in 2015, after having a year off, Fluellen signs with the Titans and, you know, he gets released, brought back on, released, brought back on, practice squad, elevated to the active roster. 
you know, he, he bounced around with the Titans. But, you know, he was there for some of the wins. He was there when the Titans finished second in the AFC South, made the playoffs as a wild card, and Mariota threw a touchdown pass um, to himself against the Chiefs in 2017. In fact, in that game, Flown returned a kickoff for 12 yards. So you know, the Titans have had better returns. But yeah. then it was in 2018 where, where Flown made his first rush of the season. Um, good for two yards in week seven against the Los Angeles Chargers. I believe that game was actually in London where the Titans lost 20 to 19. Um, three rushes I, against I was, the Patriots. I was there. That, that was tough. So you so you remember Flew Allen. They shouldn't have gone for two. That was a, that was one of those Vrabel yeah. bonehead coaching decisions. Yeah, but I, at the same time, you like the aggressiveness there. Yeah, but they had all the momentum in the second half. I just play the game out and you would have won. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. The hindsight <laughs> is 2020. Either way. And then, and then so, you know, Flewellen's time. No, the hindsight Titans. was technically 2019. They lost. Yeah, true. <laughs> Anyways, after a knee injury and a series of other knee injuries, um, Flewellen was placed on IR with the Titans in 2019. He has yet to crack it back in the NFL since then. But I feel like Titans fans, he was a beloved member of the Tennessee Titans. And I'm, I'm going to compare him to Ahmad Hall. Maybe not. Maybe that's not the right comparison because Ahmad Hall played, you know, he was a fullback, was used much more than Flewellen. But it's always kind of like the third string running back with this team yeah. that gets a ton of love. Yeah. Like like Hilliard did this year. Hilliard produced, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so it's always – the Titans always have this running back kind of waiting in the shadows that Titans fans always have so much hope for. And, you know, right. and, and he probably has a big preseason where he makes a bunch of noise in the preseason. They're like, well, give him a shot. You know, this guy's not working. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. Like well, the Jeremy was that Nichols. guy? Yeah. Exactly, Jeremy McNichols, great yeah. example. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so on board. Titans fans, oh man, we talk about adjusting your pants. You have to adjust your pants whenever and, <laughs> Titans hear RB three, and they're gonna have to. They're gonna, Titans fans are gonna fall into the same trap this year. Now, Darrington Evans, he's been hurt a lot. McNichols was released. Yeah, uh, Foreman's probably gonna find a place where he can compete for, for a starting job. We're gonna have a new guy this year. I can't wait to embrace him. Yeah, they uh, Titans did not administer many flu shots that season. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. only eight flu shots. Yeah, that's tough. Um, my remember the Titan. I am going with Austin Johnson. Okay, because let's be honest, that's the one thing anyone thinks about when listening to this podcast. Austin Johnson. <laughs> And his middle name is Hunter. So really, it's Austin H. Johnson. Okay, let me just say, let me just say this, all right? When talking about this guy, you, you kind of have to start here whenever you bring, bring him up. Austin H. Johnson is huge, okay? Massive, all right? Trust me, seen him in person, all right? Massive Austin H. Johnson, all right? Where are you going six, with this? Six four, three hundred and fourteen pounds. All right, the ladies love Austin H. Johnson. All right, and now he plays in New York. So technically, I'm not wrong when I say Austin H. Johnson is giant. All right. <laughs> in fact, he went from being Titan to giant. All right, I'm telling you guys, Johnson is huge. He played college ball at Penn State. So Austin H. Johnson comes out of Happy Valley. <laughs> um, 
He also played college ball with uh, Carl Nassib, which could be why, you know, Carl Nassib. You, okay. You're saying Austin Johnson's a handsome man, and that could have influenced Carl Nassib's sexuality? I'm just saying Austin H's Johnson is oh, massive. Oh, my gosh. There's been enough Johnson talk in the Penn State locker room for the past decade. I think oh, we're wow. good. Wow, wow, cool. By dude. the way, audience, audience, listeners. What? Before we started recording, you know, Austin and I, the last bit of business we handle is to find our Remember the Titans. Austin had this and we always let and let's just make it clear we always put it off like peel back the full curtain on this one <laughs> we always put it off that's the last thing that we do in our prep for this podcast and it's always right before we start recording we're always like oh wait hang on I gotta go find my remember the titan so as we're as Austin's searching for his I already have mine I'm jotting down a couple Tim Kelly things Austin has this shit-eating grin on his face <laughs> And just keeps giggling to himself. And finally, I'm like, I don't, I don't like what you're up to. You seem like you're up to no good. And here we are. Now let's yeah. continue. Right. I just I I just thought it was really funny. I just I had it, it played out better in my head, like most of my jokes do. Uh the fact that this guy's name is Austin Johnson. And then if you dig even deeper, his middle name is Hunter. So it's Austin H. Johnson. My name's Austin H. And I just thought I'd just uh make the whole remember the title about my dick. That's basically what I was getting at. I mean, <laughs> just. And Austin H. Johnson is huge. So I'm not wrong in saying that when I bring him up and remember the Titan. All right. And look, I said I was excited about this. <laughs> Let's just say I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> this is this reminds me back to earlier in the podcast where we talked about. Could you imagine if Austin Huff was the Titans play caller? Same age as Tim Kelly. Yeah, I, I mean, and he's making dick jokes in the locker room. Right. No one can stand. You know how Urban Meyer was ousted as like the Jaguars head coach for like grinding up on that girl at a par. I would be ousted as the Titans head coach uh, for making dick jokes uh, to the media or like insinuating dick jokes to the media. <laughs> People would be like, are, are you kidding me with it? Like this is the most unprofessional human being on planet Earth. There's full scale investigations launched every offseason with Austin Huff in the building. Yeah, and and it'd be over like trivial dumb stuff too. Wouldn't it be like like look? I could not get a hot college coed to even grind up on me at a bar. So kudos to Urban there. Uh, but <laughs> I but yeah, it would be over something stupid where like I I put my foot in my mouth or or like I intent like I tried to make a joke and it just fell extremely flat. Like yeah, that would be that would be exactly where I would. And when it it would have nothing to do with my play calling. My play calling could be like I could have been I could be Belichickian with my play calling, but it would be something dumb along those lines, and I that would be fired within one year. Um, so PR I, or HR, excuse me, HR would have a hell of a year. Oh my gosh, they would be they'd be working overtime. David Coley, Urban and Meyer, PR. Austin Hoff. They would be in that order of shortest coaching tenures. Um, all right, Jack, and, and shortest coaches. All right. All right, dude. <laughs> Look, I'm kidding. David Coley was actually kind of tall, I think. Uh, at least Austin H's Johnson is huge. Uh, all right. Let's, Jack, let's let's get out of here. But before we do, um, hey, listen, if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy all of our poor attempts at talking about our junk, <laughs> then you should rate, review, and subscribe this podcast. Leave us four and a, uh, leave us five stars, but in the comment, comment that it's four and a half stars for those tighten up idiots. 
and 0.5 stars for buck because we want to know just exactly where those stars are distributed. Um, We are a bunch of idiots and we don't take ourselves too seriously. And we appreciate it that you guys don't take us too seriously, even though some of you guys continue to do so. And that's really just on you uh, at this point, because we're 101 episodes deep and we have not gotten any better at this, uh, but we have a lot of fun every single week. And we appreciate those of you who have fun with us. So Jack, um, Oh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at tighten up pod, follow the, the follow us on Instagram at tighten up podcast, follow a to Z sports and all of the stuff. Uh, if you want to watch the, uh, Brad Hopkins interview, you can watch that on our YouTube page, the a to Z sports, YouTube page, go subscribe there and uh, follow Jack on Twitter at Jack A. Gentry. You can follow me on Twitter at Austin Huff. Jack, is there anything that you have got for the road ahead? Oh, tweet at Jared Stillman. Let make We got to get his dad's Super Bowl prediction for this week. Yes, we would be yes. remiss if we did not get Jared Stillman's dad's prediction on this incredible Super Bowl matchup that we have coming up. So tweet at Jared Stillman and just ask him for his dad's prediction. Then you can screenshot it and then tweet it to us. You don't even have to, if you at tighten up pod in the tweet, I don't think he's going to respond, but if you just ask him like, I think he could respond. Covertly, I think that could actually help him respond. Really? You think so? I, I don't think he will. I think he kind of knows. Well, I then we'll he, respond. And then everyone else will respond after us. If, I think know. he's on to, on to us, like kind of making a mockery of his, his father's uh, football predictions. But oh, uh, I mean, um, for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, guys, just uh, at, at Jared Stillman, get his dad's prediction and then screenshot it and, and tweet it to at Tighten Up Pod. So before we hit the road. I want to talk about something. And if you follow me on Twitter at Jack A. Gentry or the podcast at Tighten Up Pod, you may know what I'm referring to. Oh, no. This past week in Tighten Up Podcast history was monumental. Why? Oh, yes. Because we were deemed an award-winning podcast. Some of you may remember back to uh, an episode a couple months ago. The Sobros Network, um, a network that we now like. We beefed with them originally. We, beef, we did beef with them hard. We beefed with them hard. However, they're now in our good graces. Why? Why you ask? You guys, yeah, why? So, yeah, Jack, you guys wait, were so why? hard on you... the Sobros Network after releasing their nominations for Best Podcast and Spirit Award and right. uh, Best Bar and even qual- categories that we didn't qualify for, but you know we still wanted some representation. Yeah, what, Jack? I thought you guys hated the Sobros Network. What? 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 Why are you suddenly turning? Well, let me show you. We've been given an award. Bow! That's an award. That's a real award. Wait, I'd like how you said, let me show you. It, it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, this, 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 I'm, I'm building up the theatrics of this. Oh, okay. All right. Unless we clip this for socials, then in which case, hi. <laughs> the Sobros Network awarded the Tighten Up Podcast. The 2021 Spirit of Nashville, Best Nashville Sports Podcast to not be nominated for Best <laughs> Nashville Sports Podcast. So... <laughs> You can interpret that as however you want. I'm interpreting it as the first award of many that the Tighten Up podcast will win. And really, the lesson of all of this shows you, you know, no matter who's given awards, no matter who's given promotions, maybe it's in your day job. Maybe you're not the one getting promotions. The lesson here is to throw a big enough fit about it. They eventually show you the proper respect and get you an award, get you a promotion, get you a raise, get you a bonus, whatever it may be. Just like we got ourselves an award of the best national sports podcast to not be nominated oh, yeah. for best national sports podcast. So whether we're the best of the rest or, you know, first of the worst, well, how do you say that? The worst, 
where am I going with this? Whether we're the worst of the best or the best of the worst. Yeah. We've still got an award under our names. We still got, look, we got an award. Any way you want to put it, we got an award. We are the Karen of Nashville sports podcasts because look, we didn't get even nominated. We raised hell and sure enough, we got our way. Okay. We, we look, if all, if our uh, Olive Garden soup, salad and breadsticks come out cold, we're going to raise hell. And yeah, we're going to raise hell and we're going to get our meal comped, bitch. Okay. And we did. And we got our meal comped. All right. And look, you know how they say great players, great historic athletes like Barry Bonds. I'll throw Derrick Henry in there. Uh, you, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world where you say they are in a category uh, it, like of, of their own. category of themselves, like a category in and of themselves. They're in their own category. We are now technically in our own category. Right. There were no other nominees for the award that we won because they had to come up with the own category just for our greatness. We were so unique that they had to make a new category. They made a, a new cat. They didn't even let people vote on it because they knew it was that unanimous. we were just strictly the winner. They just knew. So shout out to the Soap Bros Network, one, for a couple of reasons. That's really funny what they did. They actually that sent, us, hilarious. They sent we, us a plaque, and that is I, kudos to them. Like, when you do something funny, we will, we will give you your props, and that was hella funny. Yeah, and not only did we make a big stink of it on the podcast, we took it to Twitter as well. We, we, yeah. we rallied the troops, and we got what we wanted. <laughs> and then, well, not, not exactly what we wanted, but we got an award. When they announced the winners, they announced us. They like they announced us as winning that award, and, and we didn't think anything of it. We're like, oh, that's that's funny. Okay, thanks for the <laughs> props. But then when they actually sent the award, it was like, okay, damn. All right, credit credit to the Sobros <laughs> Network. We're now in good graces. Beef is over. It is squashed. Uh, our only outstanding beef now is with F Words Pod because we hate them because they're so much better than us. And they, I think they actually did. They win the award for best Nashville sports podcast. If they did, we're going to have to bring them on and have a, a full-on battle with them. Yeah, we will. But they did. Look, I know one thing. They've never won the award that we won because nope. no one has. Maybe and, they never will. And that just goes out to you, the Tuppers, because you guys helped us raise hell that week too. All right, look, we didn't do this alone. You guys helped us. You tweeted at Sobros Network and you were like, because that was our, our goal. We give you homework every week. That was the homework that week was tweet at Sobros Network. Make them realize that they made a mistake by not even nominating us. And then sure enough, we got a damn award. We got a damn plaque out of the thing. This, look, if I could go Katie Heron and Mean Girls and break off a piece of the plaque and toss it out to every single one of you out in the listening audience, I would do that because you deserve it just as much as we do. It just feels good, doesn't it? It feels so good, Jack. I can't tell you. Like, I finally, I'm, I'm hoping my parents will respect me. Maybe they'll start listening to the podcast. Maybe they'll start listening to the <laughs> podcast now that it's award-winning. Maybe. I hope so. Uh, okay. All right. Let's get out of here before I start to cry. Uh, it is, he is at Jack H. Gentry. Give him a follow. You can follow me at Austin Huff on Twitter. We have so much fun with you guys uh, on the off days when we are not recording this podcast uh, because you guys have helped us build the great tougher community and we appreciate it we have a lot of fun with this podcast and we hope you have fun listening to it um then uh yeah enjoy the super bowl remember look 
if it was easy to be a Titans fan, everyone would do it. Okay. And, and the, the, the tough losses like that loss to the Bengals are only going to make that moment when the Tennessee Titans hoist that Lombardi trophy into the air that much sweeter. It's only going to make that much greater. Okay. So while we go through these tough times and these rough losses and these very frustrating times of should Ryan Tannehill be our quarterback, just know that whenever the Titans do finally hoist that Lombardi, hopefully sooner rather than later, it is going to feel that much better. So think about that uh, when you watch the Super Bowl. Stay the course, people. Stay the course. Look, we're Titans fans for a reason. If it was easy to be a Titans fan, literally everyone would do it. But not everyone does it. Only we do. And, you know, and we're loud and we're proud for our, our boys. Always will be, no matter who throws on the uniform. Um, and, yeah, I don't know why I'm getting, like, so deep uh, this. Like, uh, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. All right, let's get out of here. Uh <laughs> The um, all right, that's gonna do it for us this week. Until next week, tighten up. They used to be the Oilers a long, long time ago when they played in the Houston Astrodome. They've gone from being spoilers to starting six and oh, since they moved to Tennessee to call it home. They had a music city miracle to conquer Buffalo. And they came within a yard of winning in the Super Bowl. They've had the same head coach leading all the way. That's one of many reasons that I'm loving how they play. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting all the way. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.